I don't know if you watch a lot of Sex in the City, but there is an episode where Miranda calls Steve because she's in love with him and she wants to leave him a great voicemail. And she <laughs> writes it out and she like totally screws it up and she like she like clears her throat in the middle of it. Like it's a hilarious scene and I feel like that's what's gonna happen to you right now. Hey, I'm Jamie. And I run a bourbon club here in Toronto. I also do private whiskey tastings. And you can get me on Twitter at Bourbon Thing. I'm Mark Bylock. I'm the author of The Whiskey Cabinet. And you can reach me on Twitter at M-A-R-K-B-Y-L-O-K. Or for my book, it's at Whiskey Book because Whiskey Cabinet was taken. So, Mark, you looked a little shocked the other day when I said that I drank my whiskey with ice. Yeah, I mean, we were at an event and we were uh, co-hosting a whiskey tasting and somebody asked us about ice. And I was wondering, you know, and I was immediately going to say, nah, drink it straight. And then you came up and said, I drink whiskey with ice. I do. That wasn't a lie. I absolutely drink my whiskey with ice and I enjoy it. And, and I was really surprised because you drink a lot of cast-strength whiskey. And, you know, whenever you and I drink cast-strength whiskey, we drink it straight. So I was really surprised. I was really honestly surprised. Not, not that there's anything wrong with drinking whiskey on ice, but I was just surprised. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely, like, when I taste whiskey, I don't put any ice in it. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very fancy thing um, to taste whiskey. So I have to do it properly. But just, like, hanging out on like a regular day, if I'm drinking what, you know, I am today, like a Weller 12 or like, you know, something sort of normal out of the bar, I'll put any uh, ice cube in it. Actually, I don't usually put ice in a barrel proof um, bourbon because I really do want that flavor. But it's kind of weird though, because you think barrel proof bourbons are the one that could sort of stand to be watered down a bit, but I just like all that flavor. Yeah, I feel like barrel barrel proof whiskey was what convinced me to not drink whiskey on ice because I, I used to drink whiskey on ice when I was uh, years and years ago when I first started drinking whiskey. Um, everything from bourbon to single malt scotch, I would put an ice cube or two in it. But back before we had fancy square ice cubes, I used to put like the tiny little ice cubes, which you know what was not nearly as cool as putting a big cube in your glass. Um, and I so I would always put like a usually one of those normal size cubes and. I liked it because it was the drink was colder, but um, I felt like when I started drinking cast strength whiskeys, I was like, wow, you know, like when you water it down, I feel less flavor. So I thought we'd do a little experiment today. Yeah. Um, so do the it. experiment uh, would be us having the same, well, we pick, you're, you're, you're drinking Willard, I think you already said. I'm uh, drinking Weller 12. Weller 12, sorry. Yeah. Well, you're drinking Weller 12. Um, so you, you picked out your whiskey. Uh, we yeah. drink it uh, three different ways. We do it with an ice cube. Um, we do it straight, uh, with just at room temperature and then the third glass will, uh, warm up. So I've got the Glencairn glass and I'm just kind of, you know, hugging it into the palm of my hand here, uh, to warm it up to more closer to body temperature because, um, a lot of like frequently when I do whiskey talks, I say, if, you know, if, if you find the alcohol too strong, which I don't think is either of our problems here, we were, but this is just more of a. (laughs) More of a test if uh, I usually recommend, and I also for tasting notes, I will also do the same thing is to hold the glass in the palm of my hand to warm it up because I find I'll get um, different notes or different flavors uh, from the whiskey when it's, when it's warmer. So we'll have a chilled whiskey, yep. uh, room temperature, and 
closer to body temperature, slightly warmed. And of course, I have a fancy giant square cube because that's what you need these days to survive. No, 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 no. None of these old-timey ice cubes from the 80s. No, no. You know, some serious ice going on here. How do you uh, get your – what's your system for the square ice cube? Um, I, I actually have a giant tray, like this really pliable plastic. Um, but I also have these like sphere, sphere, like, uh, molds mm-hmm. that you, that you fill up and then you like pop them open. And then, so I have a sphere in my cup right now instead of a square one. So sometimes I fight with the square ones a little bit. These ones I find like are pretty easy to deal with. I actually, yeah, I I can't remember what the science was on that, whether the square ice cube melts quicker or slower than the uh, round ice cube than the small ice cubes. I I think I've even read at one point somebody made an argument that they all melt at the same rate. It doesn't really matter. It's just the square ice cubes look better and the sphere ice cubes look better. So I, I, I don't know if there's any science to support that. I really should look that up one day. I mean, what's the next thing we can do with ice? Like, we all just get ice deliveries, like, back in the day. Like, is this going to be the next thing? Because it feels like we're, we're going through this transition of ice, and everyone's trying to one-up everyone else in the new bar. They're like, our ice has been, you know, taken from springs in the mountains, and then someone else has this, you know, giant block of ice that they're chipping off and, like, <laughs> beautiful, um, like, works of art. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where ice goes next. We, we literally could have an entire conversation about different kinds of ice and how a, a cocktail is presented with it. Um, I, I love clear ice. I want to get those nice ice packs where you, you put the cylinder shape and you put it in the freezer and like standing up so that the ice at the bottom is the, where all the impurities go. But the ice in the very top will be completely clear and you just this chip is- away at it. This is not a real thing. No, this no. Is a, this is an actual thing that they've made now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. You can about all the different kinds of ice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, this totally. This is so serious. I, like, oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm going to be out of the loop with ice. And, like, I, here I am with my, like, my beautiful sphere of ice. And it's like, nah, that's passe. <laughs> I'm so over it. Ugh, you're using spherical ice? Ugh. Uh-huh. It's not clear at all. It's got that impurity in the middle. Come on. I, I tried the whole uh, boiling water a few times to get it um, to clear ice, but I really do think you need to use diluted water to get clear ice. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I don't drink a lot of drinks with ice. So I'm like, I just don't care enough. I'm glad with my little uh, formed square ice cubes and the big ice cubes rather and, and pretty happy with that. Tell us a little bit about Weller 12. As I'm going to start nosing these glasses between the warm, the cold, and the room temperature uh, while you uh, tell us about Weller. All right. So Weller 12 um, is uh, actually uh, people online, if, you're, if you sort of read into the whiskey communities, if you sort of stalk them on Twitter like I do, uh, it's a big favorite. Everybody loves the Weller 12. So it's a weeded um, bourbon uh, coming out of Buffalo Trace. Um, and some people refer to it as the poor man's pappy. It's, uh, the same mash bill as Pappy Van Winkle. Um, and it, it's honestly just like a really lovely, uh, poor, super well-priced. I wish that there were cases and cases of it here in Canada, but I snatch up as many as I can 
when it comes through. And um, yeah, that's that's the bourbon that I'm going to hang out with a little bit today. What are you drinking? So I have something a little different. And I, um, I have the Glenfiddich 14 year old uh, Rich Oak. Now, I, this is available in Canada. It's not available in the US yet. I think it's got kind of like a limited market distribution. Now, you had this at the whiskey event I did last week, I think. This is the one that has, uh, it's been, so Glenfiddich is typically aged in European oak, ex-European oak, uh, or ex-sherry European oak. Uh, this one has been aged in American oak for 14 years, and then it's been finished for 12 weeks in virgin American oak and virgin European oak. And this is the, apparently, if all my research is correct, the very first scotch to be finished in virgin European oak. So you get a, I mean, I think bourbon drinkers like it because you get a, like a nice charred flavor from it. Like there's, there's a, definitely a lot of charring, uh, other, you can, you can taste the charring you can, it's definitely there more so than you would find in single malt scotch. Um, so I'm kind of using this to see if I'm going to get a lot of different flavors, um, from it with the different temperatures. Cause I figured there's just a lot going on in there. Um, yeah. A lot of competing and complementary flavors between, you know, used oak and brand new oak. Well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually, I just, uh, while you were talking, I was also nosing my, my Weller 12 here and um, just making like little notes. Not that I wasn't listening to every word you were saying, but I was <laughs> multitasking. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's really interesting, the difference in the nose between all three. Like, I'm just getting so many different things. Um, are you? Or, like, is it the same? So I, um, I'm definitely getting um, a very unpleasant, sweaty sock gym notice and the warmer <laughs> Glenfiddich 14. Interesting. Interesting. Um, really kinda... interesting. Um, it, yeah, I get that kind of licorice a little bit of licorice kind of sweatiness. I'm just, I'm just nosing them right now. I haven't tasted a glass yeah. yet, but, um, the regular, uh, one is just, uh, continues to surprise me considering it spent most of its time in American oak. I feel like they, uh, they use this, uh, new oak to kind of make it look more like it's been uh, European oaked age and maybe the 12 weeks of brand new European oak is enough to do it. But, um, you, you can't tell this is, you know, normally with a single moss scotch that's been primarily aged in, um, in bourbon casks, you'll get like those vanilla notes and citrusy notes. And, and even a, on a whiskey, on a single malt scotch that's been finished in something else, uh, you still pick up those notes. And there's mm-hmm. just, this is, smells more like a European oak aged single malt scotch. Oh. But there's a little, something a little different to it, though. There's definitely, uh, get the kind of like d- dusty hayness to it like that, that a uh, little bit towards the top I, I, at room temperature, which I am not getting on the warmed glass. Yep. So still a sweaty gym sock. See, I'm from the, the warmed glass. Uh, I get a lot more of the sweet sort of caramel notes coming through um, as opposed to a little, a little bit sort of oakier on the sort of neat uh, room temperature glass. I'm not mm-hmm. getting a lot out of the ice glass. Like there's just not a lot coming insofar as like anything that smells not like my freezer. Right. Which is <laughs> fair. That's a great point. That's a really good point. You know, maybe I need to clean up my freezer. See, purified ice cubes. You need that uh, nice okay. ice package. All the impurities go to the bottom. 
I'm going to eat my words in like three weeks when I get this stupid ice thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. You know, yeah, we should just go in on that together because I think it's like cheaper <laughs> for two. So for me on the on the ice, um, I'm getting a lot more of those um, lighter bourbon barrel notes, a little bit more citrus, vanilla, it's a little brighter. Um, it's a little reminding me a little bit more of ginger ale. Like I, I really feel like the sugars are really on the nose. Um, yeah. So I'm getting kind of like those and I think that's partially the temperature too, like smelling a colder drink, your your mind makes those associations really quickly. Yes, I agree. It smells like ginger ale. Okay. All right. There you go. I think I'm ready to start tasting. Let's uh Oh, you just started tasting? Oh, oh, way to beat me to that. Well, now you're <laughs> you're now like, I'm you. on pour number five. <laughs> I've already opened my second bottle. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'll what... be tasting E.H. <laughs> Taylor Barrel Proof. <laughs> Just to make it better. That's right. It is snowing out, so, I mean, there's nothing you want more when it's snowing out than a nice, like, lovely, warm, spicy, warm not in temperature, warm as in makes your face hot sort of thing, uh, glass of bourbon. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I think um, bourbon makes for fantastic snowy whiskey mm-hmm. so um flavor wise i like to actually really like the glenfiddich 14 i mean at, at the price point it's it's uh you know it's a uh, in, in the lcbo's for 65 dollars so i think that was my favorite one during your tasting actually it was um of course actually i mean i default to bourbons for my favorite because it's just the my palate what i like but other than the um i think it was in Knob creek that you did the mm-hmm. one i liked the best was was that glenfiddich 14 yeah, it's a it's a really interesting drink. I mean, I, I guess six, sixty eight dollars at the LCBO means it costs like thirty eight dollars elsewhere in the world, give or take. Um, however, that math converts. Um, but uh, it, it's uh, it's not much more than Glenfiddich twelve. I guess is a better way of um, phrasing the price point. Uh, but but it is. I, I really like that chart. Those, those chart notes to it. I think that's yeah. um, uh, it's a really that adds a nice little depth to it. You can still. Um, taste the single maltiness of the maltiness of it you you get those um flavors they're they're muted but you you get them there um and just overall really nicely balanced i mean considering it it must have been a tough drink to make and had a lot lot to it um was a really really nice drink so really enjoyed at room temperature i'm going to try it now warm no i kind of like this warm it's um I get more of the woody spiciness from it i get more of that american wood um which i think you said as well you're you're getting more American wood, you're getting more woody flavors from the warmer drink. I am actually, and and you know I I'm a I just like smooth whiskey. I'm like whiskey staff character. I, I want to drink right. something that's got character, unless you know unless I'm in the mood for a smooth whiskey. Fine, um, but for the most part, I like a whiskey with character. So I find this whiskey, uh, the Glenfiddich 14, um, is has a bit more character warmed up. I'm getting more of those vanilla notes that I was missing, Those that now I can tell it's been aged in American oak, whereas at room temperature, it was really tough to uh, get those notes. Uh, here, I'm, I'm getting them right right clear through the palate. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually really like that sort of a little bit warmer when I'm tasting them. Still, if I was sitting on the couch, like I might put, I might put an ice cube in for a couple minutes and then I might take it out um, just because I also like I'm sitting here watching this ice cube drink get lighter and lighter and lighter. And that's not that's not how I like to drink whiskey in any case. So, um, you know, taking the ice cube out. Hey, 
there's there's an idea if you want you know if you want a, a little bit of different temperature why not just pop that thing out after a couple you know, stir it around in there with a spoon and then take it out and pretty pretty much uh exactly what i want but uh going back to the sort of warm versus the the room temperature i'm really liking all that flavor that i'm getting out of the warm one like i really am getting a lot of that that vanilla that caramel everything just seems just a little more heightened so uh i i I mean i like this bourbon anyways and, and i'm kind of liking it even better in this circumstance to be completely honest yeah i um all the good stuff I have to say, um, I am um, the iced one in this case. I am not enjoying as much, and I, but I just, I just don't think this is the right drink. And it's funny, maybe drinks have, you know, drinks might have their ideal temperature. In this case, with with the ice cube, um, the flavors are just still really starting to get misbalanced. I'm getting, mm-hmm. um, I'm getting just a lot more acidity than I'd like. The sweetness is muted, and it's, I, you know, I mean, I, I did think this was going to be an interesting drink because I. Um, because it has so much going inside of it, and the balance is so careful, uh, this drink is really falling apart with ice. It's um, it's really unpleasantly falling apart with ice. Wow. Um, which is different. I feel like I need to uh, I need to grab myself another drink and yeah. do that one on ice to kind of give it a fair uh, fair comparison. Because yeah, this this drink, you know, and I, that's why I picked it. I figured, well, this is three different temperatures with three different types of wood being used. Right. Huh. It's so interesting how hmm. I mean single malts actually it's just thinking i wouldn't i wouldn't put an ice cube in single malt scotch for some reason i would put it in bourbon and i i'm not sure why like i'm not sure why my my instinct is to not put anything in scotch well, but happy to add water to rye or bourbon is that a thing I, I think we need to test this out. I think I need to do a, a second round here uh, because I, I was at um, I was at a whiskey tasting and it was a it was a mixed age group and I had a, a much much older lady. She's somebody's grandma, I'm sure. Um, and um, I got asked the same question and I, and I made that same exact same assertion you just said. I was like, you know, I, I don't like uh, you know for me single malt scotch and ice isn't necessarily mm-hmm. a great combination. And she just raised her hand and she's like. She's like, single malt scotch, that's the only way to drink it is on ice. And she's like, this is okay, because, you know, she had a single malt scotch that I right. poured for her. But she's like, on ice, that is the only way to have it. And I'm like, okay, okay. conversation ends. Hey, <laughs> the word, <laughs> the word of this woman is, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, um, I am going to, um, I'm going to grab myself another drink, and I'm going to put another ice cube in it to kind of do another f- further test. And I'm going to use a rye this time. But... I wanted to get your feedback on an article you posted on Twitter where I think, if I understand the implication was that 56% of men surveyed believe that women that drink whiskey are more assertive and stronger. Now, I want to ask you, do you support the stereotype of men surveyed on how they perceive women that drink whiskey, or do you think it's ridiculous? It, I, I don't support any stereotype whatsoever. I am not. That article, sh- like, I had my mouth hanging open while <laughs> I was reading that article. I could not believe how ridiculous it was. And I was like, I mean, it's just too much to bear. Like, I just <laughs> couldn't even, 
Like, I still can't even wrap my head around this. Like, I, I don't actually put a lot of weight behind this. I think that's what I said. I don't put a lot of weight behind this research because it was done on a website called, like, illicitsomething.com. And they, like, pulled their their people, which sounds super scientific. Um, <laughs> and so I just, I just couldn't believe that it was even printed. Of course, then I shared it, which makes me kind of a jerk, too. But I couldn't believe that it was this, this, it, it was like, it even had a, a man that orders a cosmopolitan is gay. That's what, that's what it said. It's people. And I, I couldn't, I, I, my hands are like in the air right now. And I am outraged that we're still judging people based on like what they drink or like making assumptions about them based on what they drink. Like it has that much weight to it. Like it really doesn't. Women like whiskey, men like whiskey, women like cosmopolitans. I think a cosmopolitan is a great drink. Like I went to um, a restaurant and I asked for a cosmopolitan in shame and the, the, they were like, we make a great cosmopolitan. Everything is fresh. We use like, everything is like, you know, sort of top shelf liquor and they shook it. And it was like this beautiful, fruity, lovely thing. And I was like, why am I being such a jerk? If somebody wants a cosmopolitan, order a cosmopolitan. I was just in Florida and I ordered basically a bucket of pina colada and I didn't even feel bad about it because... <laughs> I'm so over um, this whole idea of, you know, a woman who drinks whiskey is her personality is a certain way. It's just not. And we just we enjoy whiskey. We haven't been like women haven't, you know, sort of maybe felt as comfortable um, like ordering a whiskey because of this very specific sort of stereotype. But I think it's all crap. And I think it's just been. Uh, we're starting to get away from it a little bit more now. And it's not shocking that a woman sh drinks whiskey anymore. And I mean, some people are still shocked, but that gets pretty tiring pretty fast. I, I but, bet it does. The, the, the survey, uh, yeah, Illicit Encounters. Uh, it's a dating website. Oh. For, oh, wait, wait, this gets even better. It's a dating website for married people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, I'm, oh, wow. Okay, this well. Is, this is... Uh, I, so, I mean, so much is wrong here. Um, it also found that 85% of women claimed men who drink whiskey are old-fashioned, with a smaller percentage believing they are charming and cheeky. So if me being a whiskey drinker made me old-fashioned, charming, and cheeky, I feel like um, I, I feel like men might stop drinking whiskey. I feel this is, uh, like you know... If this were true, um, so the further of uh, the men survey, 34% identified whiskey drinking women as attention seeking. So offensive. So I mean, absolutely. I'm not going to lie. I, I am attention seeking sometimes. But, <laughs> but it has nothing it has to, do with. to do with the fact that I like whiskey. That is my own thing that I have to deal with. But I honestly, um, I mean, this is ridiculous. Like this is everything that I, I don't like about like bar culture i mean i mean, it's, I mean why would you ever drink anything other than like a vodka soda if this is what the stuff is attached to it like it's it's so crazy to me like you can't base someone's personality on what they drink i guess people on you know what it's an internet thing and it's it's clickbait and like people i know some people have these preconceived notions about you know 
dude, if you want to order a daiquiri, like you just go right ahead. You do you. Sometimes you just want like a Slurpee with some rum in it. And I think that's cool. And you should be able to drink whatever you want without anybody assuming everything about you, especially the people on illicitencounters.com. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, so is that is that true for the apple teeny as well? Do you feel the uh, apple teeny also deserves to be defended? Now, the apple teeny is famously on TV um, stereotyped as men that drink apple teenies are drinking drinking. I don't even know. I don't even know if the term is a woman's drink, which also is offensive. I think it's just termed as wow, that's just a bad drink. Yeah, I mean it, that's a whole other thing, right? Like just drinking a bad drink. I think you know. I think. And we've we've had this chat before that we could probably find a bartender in in Toronto that will make like a wicked apple teeny with just the right amount of you know sweetness and and you know can just really nail it. I the apple teeny that's like neon green that comes out of a bottle is just a bad drink in general, and it's not meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be like drank which I think again is like a whole other thing like you know if you're drinking to get drunk like then apple tea and eat it up but if you actually want to go and enjoy a cocktail and enjoy what you're drinking then like get something with you know a little flavor a little structure know what's in your glass and 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 like appreciate the the bartender that put it together and ask them about it I think that's the whole thing about apple teeny honestly i feel like we need to find somebody to make us an apple teeny you know what we could do we could um have a couple of friends go to a bar and sit somewhere else and then us go to a bar and have the couple of friends order an apple teeny from uh, a bartender we know uh because we do know a lot of bartenders in toronto so we can just you know we, we could see um what they produce and then you know 20 minutes later we order an apple teeny and and this see what great. The, see what the freak happens because you could just see them be like wait what I never get apple teenies and now I've got four orders in a row. I I love that I love that I think I think, I, I think an apple teeny and bacon fat would just go so well together. I don't know why I just thought of that, but I just feel like you know you you yeah. want some something fatty to break up the, all that teeny yeah or even like um... tanginess. Totally. I I even think like something like an apple teeny with like a like a like a nut component of some sort, like a peanut butter something, or like mm. some sort of like I don't know what kind of bitters somebody could make up. I'm sure they exist in the world somewhere, but something that gives it that like honestly, apples and peanut butter are such a great combo. You could probably do it like not that like the super sugary peanut butter to make it too sweet, but like we get like. Honestly, we could we could probably pull this off and and get some great stuff out of it. I actually did read an article that said the bad cocktails. I mean, we're doing full circle stuff here. So we, you know, we we had our classic cocktails come back and everybody's drinking old fashions and Manhattans and and sidecars and and Sazeracs and I read that what's coming back next is our piña coladas and the the 80s sort of creamy um like <laughs> like creamsicle tasting you know cocktails this is this is where we're going I, I'm, so, gonna, I, I'm gonna take a stand i'm gonna take a stand that this, this is do. this isn't gonna happen i okay. uh 
right. I, only only because I, I it's just it's official now that you I, said this. No, I feel like <laughs> we we've done so well in the last, and you know, every city's different, right? So right. Uh, Toronto typically follows trends in New York, New York City, and in Chicago, um, and other places. But Toronto has really, in the last five years, really gone away from the fruity, sweet drinks. We've we've had our frothy egg white, frothy drinks. We're still around and still good. Um, yeah. We've we've had a lot of the other cocktails come through the city, but I I just I feel like once we've developed a taste for like the less sweet, more character driven, more boozy drinks. And that's what I, where I see. I think a lot of the traditional drinks are very boozy. They're not. You know, mm-hmm. you're drinking alcohol. I think that we went through this period where we wanted to hide all the alcohol from, you know, yeah. and put as much sugar and whatever else we could put in there so that it doesn't taste. But, you know, and this goes again back to ter- terrible stereotypes of like, you know, either uh, men buying drinks, women for women, not wanting it to be obvious that they are have right. alcohol flavor. I think that's how it's been presented on TV anyway. Right. Um, and, um, and just the whole, oh, women should like sweet drinks, so let's make them right. something sweet. Right. Uh, which you still face, and I've seen at, at yeah. bars. Um, it's it still happens. Uh, yeah. Whereas we've gone into these really kind of boozy and delicious drinks, where we know we're drinking a boozy drink. Yeah. Uh, I feel like once you go there, I feel like it'd be really hard, hard to, to go, go back there. to the uh, pina colada. I mean, unless you know, I mean, somebody creates a pina colada that's you know clear and liquid, and they have pina colada bitters. I don't know. Um, I, I do not know how to mix cocktails. I just know how to make a Manhattan. So I have no knowledge on this whatsoever. Okay. But uh, if they, uh, they, there might be uh, interpretations of it. But I, I would be really sad if, if the bars I like to go to would serve, go back to those drinks. So in the interest of, in, in the interest of science, I um, yeah. took one of my favorite ryes, the uh, Masterson's hundred uh, percent rye, and I put it in an ice cube. Excellent. Because it, um, it's a rye. I figured this will be a good test. It's the last of my second last bottle and cherish the stuff i i don't know why masterson's just really hits it for me as a rye i think it just has that for me has that perfect combination of oak and rye flavor and it just works so well together for for me it just just really hits the spot hey and rye is not the easiest um whiskey to make so when you find one that you love like there's so many ways you can just crap up a rye so I think that when you find the rye that you love, you just go for it and you buy a thousand bottles of it. Yeah, it's interesting too. I, I like American ryes are typically, you know, about sixty percent rye. They're they're generally half corn in them and malted barley. And Canadian ryes are typically a hundred percent rye. And uh, apparently, one of the reasons for that is um, the grain used in Canada is different. It's just a different kind of grain. And more vibrant. You, you can, I mean, you can taste uh, the difference between Canadian and, and American rye right off the bat. But it's not just the recipe. It's just the the grain just works differently. Um, it's more prominent in smaller dosages as well. But um, but when you drink 100% Canadian rye, um, you do get just a different for me, more balanced floral, uh, more kind of that green grassy flavor of a rye. Um, and and we you know a well aged rye is just nicely nicely calmed. I think Canadian whiskey, if it's a younger whiskey, will will also blend you know corn and and whatnot. But if it's been aged, you know ten years or older, it's typically pure rye, and that's um, and that's really kind of this, for me that's the sweet spot. Yeah. So I mean this uh, Masterson's I know very well. Um, with with the ice cube, I get more of the kind of plasticine sort of note, like which which is. You know, really great and interesting. Um, still thinking of soda pop again, because probably because it's cold and that association is so deeply ingrained. Yeah, you know, it's actually really nice. Um, 
the sugars and the sugars are more pronounced. Um, the rye is a little more subdued, but not too much. Um, and I get a lot more back end um, sugars, whereas normally Masterson's kind of the sugars uh, dissipate pretty quickly, and you kind of get the the rye. Uh, finish so it's a bit of a different finish but um you know i think just having it be a cold drink i could see what you were saying when it's, it's a colder drink if you're just in the mood for uh something colder and and more pleasurable to drink and we generally like cold drinks we like our pop cold what, what have you um there's definitely that, that kind of pleasantness to having a colder drink yeah i 100 percent agree I, I it's and it's sort of the I mean, you've been into whiskey for a really long time and you, you really know your, your stuff and I'm sort of newer, um, to it. So, you know, I, I really get, um, that my taste might change and, and, you know, it, there's a whole gamut of things to go through. Like you also started drinking your, you know, your whiskey with ice and then sort of, I think you, it's like when you do a close reading of a book, it's really hard to go back and not do close readings anymore. And I think now that you've spent so much time with whiskey, you can't not, you're looking for something very specific and that ice cube is not going to give it to you. Whereas like, I am still sort of like coming through, um, where I can sit and, and drink a whiskey and not think about it too hard. So I haven't got to the stage where I'm, you know, really picking everything apart uh, on that kind of level. Like I can turn it off a little bit. <laughs> Maybe that's the difference. Maybe in 10 years, I'm going to be like shirking ice as deeply as you do. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, that's a great point. I, um, I generally can't turn off my head when I'm drinking whiskey. I always yeah. feel I'm, I'm always tasting it. I'm always comparing it. Um, when, when I do drink whiskey in the evening or I guess during the day, cause you know, whiskey, um, <laughs> So I, I drink, um, but what I do typically uh, just drink very small portions. I'll have quarter po- a quarter ounce pours, and I'll do you know uh, five or six drinks, which is really just an ounce and a half. It's it's not even enough alcohol to get you drunk or, or have you buzzed. But I'll do very small pours, and I'll I'll do very different whiskeys, um, and I'll I'll just go back and forth and and enjoy it. And I think that's what I started liking about whiskey when I started buying more whiskey was um, I didn't have to just finish one bottle of beer and then go to another bottle of beer. I could just have a little bit of whiskey and enjoy that and then go to another whiskey. So um, I don't know if that's like ADHD drinking or something, but I just wanted to have a variety of different flavors and enjoy those. Um, But you're right. I I have a hard time turning off my brain and being like, okay, just sit down and enjoy this. I I, I do deconstruct the whiskeys pretty often when I drink. Just sit down and watch the hills and just have a drink of whiskey and don't think about it. That is not in your... That's not what you do. Is, is the hill some sort of nineties, <laughs> oh two thousand reference? I was too old to <laughs> understand. I, I feel like I've I've missed. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that before or after the OC, which I also did not watch? Oh my gosh! It's like after. It was it was a little after, but like it's cool. It's not you know. It's okay. My husband doesn't watch it either, except for when he watches it and then is like, so what's going on with like, you know, Kristen and Brody? And then I have to explain what's going on. Anyways, so. <laughs> I was going to say, unless it's like Saved by the Bell or 90210, I, I, I probably have uh, very few. Also, 
fantastic shows there. You <laughs> could just sit and drink your whiskey and watch Saved by the Bell. And that sounds like a great afternoon. <laughs> uh, the only problem with, I, I haven't watched Saved by the Bell in years and years, but like, I'm, I'm, I haven't like one actress killed somebody and other actors like, I don't know. I feel like two to the actors have gone to jail by now. I I, I don't keep track of celebrity See, gossip. You're but... thinking too hard about it. You just got to watch it and be like, what's going to happen with Zach and Kelly? OMG. <laughs> I don't even know. What? <laughs> no, you just got to, you just got to not think about it. Maybe that's a trick. Maybe. Well, I think, I think because you are like, this is just your personality is like, you're very, you're very like smart and you're like, I'm just going to watch something that like makes my brain go crazy. And then I'm going to drink something that also makes my brain go crazy. Whereas I'm like lazy and I just <laughs> want to watch something that makes me stupider. And I want to drink like the simplest thing with like, and not think about it. So I guess in terms of personality, maybe that has more to do with our preference of ice than we even like to think about. That's that's a very deep thing. Anyways, and I'm guaranteed going to have um, a pour of my recently acquired E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof Whiskey. And that's, and that's pretty much um, our favorite it's whiskey our favorite. from yeah. all the blind tastings we've done. Um, a friend of ours has it, and uh, had it. You, you, we, we kind of drank it. Really, it's, it's gone. Yeah, it's um, gone. So sorry, you Matt brought. Mark. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Matt Mark. It's, it was a good trip, um, but but really has um, really just. I don't know. I don't know why, but but for all of us, for for many of us, uh, in that that we're drinking this whiskey over and over again, um, we've had it blind. We've had knowing it. We've had it at the end of the, like single malt scotch tastings. We've had it at. At the end of bourbon tastings, we've we've always would finish with it in some form or another, or then we sometimes we started with it, and still every single time we've just got kept going back to the. Uh, oh uh, barrel my god, proof. he just knows what he's doing. That Colonel Taylor, just my favorite. And there was I, I managed to get my hands on a bottle through Twitter, which is a beautiful thing. Um, and it was when I was in Louisville, Kentucky. It was literally the gentleman that that I bought it from like hand delivered it to like the restaurant I was at because he was in the neighborhood, which is like the nicest thing. So I maintain that whiskey people are the best people to be friends with because A, they have like great whiskey collections and B, they always want to share them with you. So if you, I highly suggest like making a lot of whiskey friends because you will you know, just be in such great company uh, and you'll be, you know, drunk. Well, well so we, we should actually stress this a little bit more, Jamie. So you're telling <laughs> us that um, you went to Kentucky. I did. Go you to went Kentucky. to Louisville. I did. You met somebody online that yeah. promised you whiskey. Yes. And you met them met, at a dark alleyway. <laughs> And you exchanged money for whiskey. That, that's that. That's is that I mean, about accurately summarized? I mean, it's like it's just, it sounds cooler than it was, but it wasn't quite a dark alleyway. But actually, originally it was like supposed to be. Um, and then I looked up from my old fashioned. I was at this restaurant, and the gentleman was like right there. He'd like 
hand delivered me this bottle. He was like down the way at a, a bourbon convention that I couldn't afford to get into. And he just turned up and yeah, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I'd totally meet a stranger in a dark alley for a, a bottle of whiskey that I wanted. That is like a given. But like I first texted you to tell you who he was and make sure that like if anything went wrong, God, I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> 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 oh jeez! Oh no! Well, well, Trent was there too, so you. Trent weren't... was there too, but I just needed to make double sure that everything. I always do. Well, I did this with with you too. When I first met you, I didn't know who you were. We met basically online and for you know twenty minutes at my bourbon tasting, and then you were like, "Hey, like, want to come to my friend's house? He has a lot of whiskey." And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Like, what's wrong with me? I just. You know, yeah, just, I just, just whiskey. You know, it's. I mean, it's. I, I I have a. I feel confident in my gut. Like I feel like if someone after listening to this podcast was like, "Hey, Jamie, like, <laughs> right. in a dark alley," I'd be like, "Probably not." You're, but, you're gonna have you're gonna have like strangers texting you. So I, I know, like, so I heard on the podcast that it was like cool if you met with weird people. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't say like, weird. I, no I, one's I, weird. Mark, you're not weird. Right. Actually, the other guy that I met, his name was Mark, too. That's right. That's Isn't right. Isn't that hilarious? That oh is pretty funny. It is a, you it, Marks are dominating the whiskey world. Apparently, apparently. No, I, I think it's great. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's something we can generally do in Toronto because the whole sale of alcohol thing is pretty restricted here. Yeah. Um, um, but in Kentucky, uh, you know, I was, it's funny. I was, um, I'm going to Kentucky end of March, and I, uh, I know, I know. Uh, you're invited. I can't uh, go. I know. Um I was trying to set up a whiskey tasting. I, I've got some connections in Kentucky, and I was like, you know, I'll do a whiskey tasting, sell the book, da 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 da. And um, so I got got in contact with. Um, actually, uh, you'll recognize the name. It was the uh, the person that wrote the uh, Women of Whiskey book. Oh, Fred Minnick. So he, uh, I I got his contact information uh, through through another whiskey writer, and he's like, yeah, you're too late. You know, he's like, we schedule whiskey tastings three months in advance. He goes, every night there's several whiskey tastings going on everywhere around Louisville. And he's like, it's just too late. You're just not going to get the audience. You're, you're bound to fail. But then he's like, he gave me a contact information. He's like, you know, here, here's some people you can ask them. But he's like, I don't think this is going to work out just, just the timing wise. And so I did. And they basically told me that. They're like, yeah, we're, we've, we've booked all our like whiskey. It's, it's done. There, there's wow. everything. And it's also the uh, NCAA is going to be going on that, that weekend as well. Oh, um, so it, it's just jammed. It's, it's jammed. There will not be a whiskey tasting in Louisville. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. But this is like a total, total Louisville, like a Kentucky thing. Mm -hmm. So I, when I was talking to Mark, who was a delightful man, um, who sold me that whiskey, he um, was talking about their allocation and basically getting your hands on any sort of whiskey in Louisville, Kentucky, which is like super hard. So actually, Mark, you, Mark, we have it pretty good because I don't think that, I mean, we're not in the middle of like bourbon, you know, like we don't have like a glut of bourbon coming at us through the LCBO. But what we do get, we can usually get our hands on pretty easily. In mm -hmm. Kentucky, it's like they know all the secret best bourbons. Like they can't find Weller 12 anywhere. Like they can't get their hands on Elmer T. Lee. But yeah. when we get Elmer T. Lee, 
there, we, there's like a community of whiskey people that will go and, and get it the first day it's out or call and see if they can, you know, hang on to a couple bottles for them at the LCBO or whatever. But for the most part, it's pretty easy. There, I'm getting the impression, like from what Mark was telling me, that you just can't because there are so many bourbon lovers and they all know the secret best bourbons. They all know all the release days. They all have relationships with their like distributors. So, so actually it's not so bad. Like it would be nice to get something different up here, but at the same time, like, I mean, when we do get something different up here, we'll be able to get our hands on it. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and we should we should explain. So in uh, in, in Ontario, we all our liquor is sold through the government. It's uh, called the, the SCBO. Um, you know, they they figure they're going to tax us on liquor anyway. They may as well sell it to us. And the stores are really nice. Now, the one thing I will say is, yeah. Um, they there's like historical buildings and these beautiful buildings, and it it just it looks like you know like they could be selling fine jewelry in the store, and yet it's the government yeah. selling you alcohol. Um, so that part is really nice. Um, the bad part is it costs a lot more for alcohol. And the other bad part is even though they're, I think they used to be the number one buyer of, of alcohol in the world. Um, I think now they're number two or three. I think Costco has beat out the LCBO, but because of that, they do get a lot of interesting and good supplies as long as their whiskey's in high demand. So, uh, when we had Buffalo Trace Antique Collection come through Ontario, uh, we didn't get, I mean, we got probably six, six hundred, seven hundred bottles between the six uh, uh, different whiskeys. But um, we we had a lottery system. Like literally, we go to a website again run by the government. The government, you say like, you know, Jamie and I ordered all all six, six hundred dollars for the whiskey, um, and got zero um, right. because we didn't win the lottery. Right. So that's that's Ontario, but on the bright side, um, we do get you know we do get Elmer T. Lee, um, you know once a year it comes through. It's not as well known. It's it is available. We can buy it. Um, Sazerac, right? Like there's a lot of stuff we get that it's you know we pay a little bit more for it, but it's it's definitely available. Yeah, I had um when I was at, a, at a, another whiskey uh, at the Kingston Whiskey Show, somebody had uh, what's the lesser known of the six. Uh, antique collections um it's drawing a blank here i was gonna say so there's the weller the handy the eagle rare right stag the handy yes the handy handy rye which is so good right so he he had the handy rye on him in this like little taster bottle and gave me a taste of it it was it was it was ridiculously good and he i mean what he said is, um, I mean, he's in Kingston, so he's probably going down to New York State to buy his uh, buy his bourbon. Um, but he's basically like, yeah, this this took me four years to get because he needed to build the relationships in the United States to have the whiskey buyer that would you know save him a bottle of it. So I mean, it, it talk about how crazy it is, and you know, a big big topic right now is whiskey shortage or bourbon certainly a bourbon shortage. Uh, in the United States, and it really comes down to uh, there, there's a really good article by the whiskey advocates written at, um, that suggests that, and I agree with it. It's it's not that there's a shortage of cheap bourbon. There's just a shortage of those rare, the rare, bur- yeah, yeah, rare bourbons. Yeah. So like the Elmer T. Lee, I'm hearing there's a shortage of that. I don't know. Yeah, and that that actually Don't funny enough. Uh, funny enough, that article is written by Fred Minnick as well. So that from this whiskey advocate, but he basically said uh, consumer, consumers are able to buy bourbon. Um, if you measure the bourbon shortage, it's uh, more what's uh, what the other bourbons are. The the rare known bourbons are just getting harder and harder to to yeah. buy, and it's just supply and demand. 
Um, they can only make so much, and there's just becoming so much more of a supply. And it makes sense. I've always... I've always said, you know, um, bourbons are really, you can get for $40, you can get an amazing bourbon uh, that yes. will compete with any single malt scotch, um, it, you know, for, for, for more money. Um, and so you would figure if, and if, I'm not the first person to say this, this has been pretty well, well known. Um, so that statement is true. The answer to this is for those bourbons to cost as much as those single malt scotches, right? Yep. Which is, I mean, uh, it's sort of, that's like, it's really hard to swallow because it's, it's bourbon. It's very different. Like the, the whole feeling around it is so different than single malt scotch. Like to, to pay that much, which sometimes we do. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of crazy. It's corn. I mean, I get, I get it. I get it, but it's, it, I know, and I, you can see like on Twitter and like people talk and it's hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow. People really want to know that if they're paying $150 for a bottle, like they really want to know what's in it and they want to know what's going on. They want to know why they're paying $150 for this bottle because it's not necessarily aged like a single malt scotch that takes a little bit more time and you know has transferred it you know been finished in six different kinds of wood and has, like it hasn't quite gone through the journey yeah. that single malt scotch has it's from Kentucky for the most part and it's it's you know it is what it is it's very strictly sort of you know this is our recipe and this is how it's made and it, why am I paying a hundred Forty dollars when I can get, you know, another kind for forty. Like what? And it's made from you know exact same three ingredients, and it's in a barrel, and it's same age. And so, what are you giving me here? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and can you imagine uh, being a bourbon drinker for you know thirty years and being able to just enjoy that those those releases as they came out, um, and then all of a sudden, or at least in the last five, eight years, perhaps being unable to acquire or having difficulty acquiring those same drinks. Yeah. Like bourbon drinkers who've been bourbon drinkers for like 40 years must be super pissed off right now about. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, you should be so angry. Just be they like, should damn be it. So angry at me specifically. Cause I like, you know, while it's in here after like a couple of years of drinking whiskey and I'm like, I'm just going to buy all the good stuff. And like, that's what's happening right now. I mean, it's, I guess it's good. It's a good thing. But if I was them, I'd be pissed at me. Like looking online and I sort of, I try not to participate in some of the conversations because they can get pretty volatile to be completely honest Mm -hmm. uh, on Twitter and stuff like that about no age statements and about, um, you know, pricing and all this sort of stuff. And um, it's really interesting. Like even, um, I was chatting with someone about Eagle Rare, and I, of course, you know, bought the line that oh, Buffalo Trace has changed their bottling mm-hmm. line, and now they can't call it single barrel anymore because they can't guarantee it. And then, and then, the person who I was talking to was like, "Do you actually believe that?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, oh no, it was you're a lie right." All along. It's- 
it was a, that's their like parting line of like it's not going to be single barrel anymore but it is single barrel but it's not uh-huh. so actually i felt very silly and naive to have believed it for like even a moment and like they just need more right like yeah they just need more eagle rare and they cannot be waiting for these single barrels to get finished so they're just gonna not like not make it it's not there's no it's not small batch it's not necessarily like like i know in bourbon it's not called blended um but mm. blended and yeah. um but it's just not single barrel and yeah. i was like i don't understand <laughs> then what is it but it's <laughs> you know clearly it's just not single barrel anymore and it has nothing to do with a bottling line <laughs> Right. It, it, it's been blended to give it the same or similar flavor yeah. that we've enjoyed in Eagle Rare without the trouble of calling it a single barrel and having it come from an individual barrel because those barrels are the barrels that they designated for Eagle Rare 10 single barrel are that just ran out of those or they're, they're, they're still aging. Um, yeah. Yeah. They just need to get the Eagle Rare out there so that you and I will buy it. Now, and, you know, talking about the mash bill controversy, I, I have to say, because, um, you know, we, we know that, that GQ article, many of us have read it and rehashed it over and over again. Uh, GQ article states and went through all the different mash bills and how all these whiskeys are, uh, come yes. from very similar recipes. And, I do love that. Uh, I do. And I feel like um, there, there's two kind of counter arguments to this that I really uh, buy into. The first one being, um, I, you know, for, for me, you know, all single malt scotch also comes from 100% malted barley. Now, it doesn't come from the same distillery, and every distillery has a different shape and everything else. There's like all these other quantities that go through it, but the fact that the recipe is identical isn't a big deal per se since, you know, that single malt scotch, the recipe is 100% identical. At least there's some variations. Um, but the other, uh, the other piece of this is the, um, if you taste Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare side by side, identical recipe. Uh, yeah, one's right. aged- number one. Yeah, batch one, um, Buffalo Trace number one. Uh, aged Buffalo Trace is what, I guess, six to seven years. Um, Eagle is rare, uh, 10 years. They don't really taste like the same drink. They they're not. They're, I mean, they, they don't. They, they, they're, they're very different. Yeah, that there's, there's so, I mean, you get, yeah, there, there's, they're so different in, in style. Um, and, and it all comes down to where the barrels are located and how long they've been aged and, um, you know, and, and those quantities make it a unique drink, but they really don't taste. And, and I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think every distillery is as good as separating those out. I think Buffalo Trace does a good job between those two brands, especially, um, but if you, so if you taste a lot of Buffalo Trace from the same mash bill side by side by side, each drink is going to give you a different quality. And even if you watered them down to the similar alcohol content, you're still going to get a very you're going to get a very different drink in 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 ways that um, I, I don't think other distilleries perhaps are as good as doing. Um, but I mean, I guess the same is true for Knob Creek and Booker's. Same, same mash bill, and also I would find I so much prefer Booker's over Knob Creek. Um, even the cast strength single barrel, or I guess not cast strength, but the single barrel sixty percent uh, Knob Creek, I like. Um, but the Booker's, I I love. I think that's a really great drink. I also love Booker's very much. But 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 I mean, talking about sort of the the mash bill, like uh, Wild Turkey has one. Wild Turkey has one mash bill, 
and they all of their stuff comes from um, that one. And wild turkey is one of my like I love wild turkey. Um, I think it's consistent. I like I haven't had anything from wild turkey that I haven't liked, but everything that they produce is from that one mash bill, and it just comes from. I had um, my my Kentucky um, like bourbon guru. Um, who I email stupid questions to all the time, basically like gave me a run. He's like, yeah, like Jimmy and Eddie like to pull, you know, um, Russell's reserve from warehouse C, you know, the top three floors and, mm-hmm. you know, this type of, so, I mean, it's incredible the difference in like, it's, it is all, it's, I mean, it's mostly the barrel that you're, you're getting flavor from, but I mean, it, if you've got a barrel in the southwest corner facing a river, you're going to get one completely different flavor than on the northeast corner facing a forest, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Like when you think they've got like Buffalo Trace has gets Mashville number one Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace Stag, Stag Junior, like Taylor comes all from Mashville number one, according to bourboner.com which is like has the mash bill things on it like mm-hmm. the breakdowns which mm-hmm. i go to all the time but it it's always like shocking because they just taste so different yeah yeah absolutely and i and i you know the the controversy was kind of i mean I, yeah it, it was interesting i think i you know I, I certainly bought into it originally as well um, and I think there's a lot to be said there, um, but so I think people are, it, con- this is controversial for people that GQ like table. I, it is because you? I think the way it was presented is that that you know all whiskey comes from the same juice, right? So all whiskey comes oh, from the same all, all you know Buffalo Trace comes from you know two different mash bills, and and so everything is really the same, and they're just relabeling it with different age statements and different uh, bottles and. Uh, and I think I think for single malt Scotch drinkers, it is a bit of a surprise because typically um, single malt Scot- in Scotland, there's a, there's a there's a law that says if you say this is from Laphroaig, it has to be distilled at that distillery. Right. Um, and it can't. And then, you know, anything from there has to have that name on it. Um, whereas, you know, I don't think it was as well known that, you know, Jim Bean also does Knob Creek and bookers um it's not as it's not as obvious you're thinking you're drinking a whiskey from a different distillery that's got a different history a different way of making whiskey and so it was i think at the time i think it was a very good article um because it it kind of it pointed out that no you know this is there's very few distilleries in in kentucky um that are the big producers and those distilleries make most of the whiskey that you're drinking and their recipes are very similar uh but i don't think that was as well known before outside of mm. I'm, I'm sure outside of don't get me wrong outside of kentucky and bourbon outside drinkers the, and everybody, yeah outside yeah. of the whiskey community okay yeah okay. yeah yeah i hear uh, what you're saying yeah but you know there was it was that whole like oh this is kind of the same but i think it, it overplayed a bit with the point of view of saying oh well it's all the same uh, and it's really not and i think you know it's amazing i think if anything um you know we know most of the flavor in whiskey comes from the barrels and the aging uh and it really points to that it really like strains that example of like hey where it's located matters what the weather matters uh the the history matters um a lot more matters and it's um you know it's that in between stage you can't really define it that makes whiskey what it is and what we enjoy about it i think that's a great point 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I think people underestimate the power of the, the barrel sometimes and, and what it can, what it can do. But I mean, it shouldn't be because as you know, single malt scotch drinkers know the, the barrel is everything you're finishing. Like you wouldn't go through all the trouble of finishing a, you know, a scotch in three different barrels if it didn't matter. Right. Right. <laughs> like sounds like a lot of work <laughs> for does. something that is irrelevant. So it's actually like the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, absolutely. I, exactly. And it's, um, and, and the location and the history and it just, it just matters. I, um, I think yeah. that's, uh, yeah, I think drinking Eagle Rare and, and Buffalo Trace side by side is a good example of that as, as with Knob Creek and Booker's and, and all the others. Um, Jamie, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I poured myself another drink. I hope that's okay. Oh, what what did you pour yourself? <laughs> well, we got it. No, I just I know I poured more Weller. <laughs> I just I just was like, well, if I'm already going. Let's just <laughs> get the party started. It, it's the afternoon. Trent's gonna come home from work, and you're gonna yes. be like, party. party, and Trent's gonna be like, tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I can't keep up with this. Um, so thank you. That thank you for for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on.